Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Ryan Shaddy. And I'm Colin Schasperger. On tonight's show, we have our featured music and the LGBTQ plus area event calendar. First tonight, a uh, roundtable discussion on what is going on in the LGBT community throughout the country and the world. Afterwards, we will speak with our newest Blooming Out volunteer, Brett Roberts. Colin, do you remember when President Trump said these words while he was campaigning last year? Ask yourself, who is really the friend of women and the LB and LGBT community? Donald Trump with actions or Hillary Clinton with her words? I will tell you who the better friend is. And someday, I believe that will be proven out bigly. Bigly. I have to love that he used bigly at the end of that. That was just the icing on the cake. Here we are nearly a year after he made those remarks, Cullen. And man, how times have changed, right? He, he wanted <laughs> yes. to be the friend of the LGBTQ plus community, but what has he really become? Well, I mean, first of all, he couldn't say the acronym. Let's just, let's just get that straight. I just want to throw that out there. Is that, you know, if you were a friend, you'd probably be able to say the acronym correctly. Well, you would just think. Just throwing, throwing that out there. But, I mean, no, he definitely uh, hasn't been that. Um, I think just even most recently with the the supposed transgender military ban. Um, And at the beginning, with all of the people that he filled his cabinet with, um, I think that he just goes to show that he's not. Yeah, you know, you you go and look at um, Jeff Sessions, you go and look at Mike Pence, you go and look at uh, so many of his other cabinet nominations or nominees and some people who he hasn't gotten through (laughs) even, and they are vehemently anti-gay. And you start looking towards what what he has going on in his administration and you really wonder how much of a friend he thought he was to the lgbtq plus community as i butcher it just like he did um but what do you really think he was thinking when he made those comments do you think he was ever a friend of the lgbtq community well i mean first of all i want to say that i don't think that we know what anything that he believes because i mean if you look at the positions that he supported in the past they are nothing like what they are now so you know that question is what does he really support you know or not so i mean i would say i don't i don't know i i really i really don't but i mean as of now i don't think that he is i'm I'm most certain that he's not what do you think has been one thing that really has changed since president trump uh became president um in terms of feelings and attitudes towards LGBTQ individuals? You know, I think that's, again, that's a really tricky question because I always like to remember that I feel like I'm in a little Bloomington bubble. You know, that what I experience here in Bloomington, you know, might be completely different from the rest of the world, but despite all the things that have especially happened recently, what I I personally have seen has just been all the support. You know, I've seen everything on my social media feed, all sure. of these people, you know, going out and, you know, 
um, defending the community and, I, and also just in person too when things like that happen. I, I've just seen a lot of support. Unfortunately, that isn't always the case. I've, I've seen on my Facebook uh, individuals who have been um, harassed in downtown Bloomington and that's surprising now given that a lot of that was before students returned and, and it was just the townies here, so to speak. Um, they were, you know, it, it was more than one separate occasion, uh, more than one separate person. Uh, in fact, three, three different people, um, a, a, an African-American lesbian, two gay guys, um, all on different individual cases. And, you know, the things that they are saying are pretty hurtful to, to our community and the things they are doing are hurtful to our community. Have you so have you noticed that in, in your friends feed at all? I know that you you say that you've seen pretty supportive, but have you noticed any hate at all? Um, like outright hate? No, I haven't. Um, I've seen a few people speak out against the tra- you know uh, out for I mean the transgender military ban, which I was you know quick to hop mm-hmm. on my Facebook and tell them otherwise. But I mean, other than that, I not on campus and not in town have I seen any hate. What do you think? maybe that might be uh the what do you think might cause your perspective is it just because you do live in the big bloomington bubble you know i i really do think that's that's what it is and i I think that being in the bloomington bubble really does shape my perspective but i think that being on campus too i think you know where I i spend the majority of my time you know on the iu campus and i think that it's probably different there you know, even though it's right across the street from town, um, I would say that it's completely different from being in the town itself. Brother Jed was already on campus, I hear, or oh, his he wife was. was or oh, great. Wh- who else? Does Does anybody know? Did anybody see them? No. Well, he was. I, I read something the other day. I think it was Monday. <laughs> First day of classes. Great opportunity for Brother Jed to be at home right there on his little speaking front in front of Woodburn Hall. Um what brings those individuals to our community? What do they think that our community uh, actually believes in what they are saying? I don't think so. I mean, I think that he just travels around to a bunch of different campuses, and I think that his goal is just to spew hate. I really think that that's what it is. And, you know, uh, like I said earlier, you know, on social media and things like that, I, in person, I've seen people protest against him, and I've seen groups large groups of students protesting against him, and that has been incredibly encouraging to see. What do you think about what will happen in future elections after this election? Is this an anomaly of, of obviously it is, because Hillary Clinton uh, won by three million votes in yeah. the, in the uh, popular election, but is this just an anomaly? What happened? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm no political science person or like researcher but i i i do think that this is an anomaly yes we've had discussions we have we have talked about this so why do you think it's an anomaly um i just think that if there were people who did not go out to vote if there were democrats who didn't go out to vote they see the consequences of their actions and i really hope that they understand that and that we see more Democrats go out to vote in 2018 or 2020. And of course, I hope that there are people who supported President Trump previously and then now realize that they've made a mistake. And so I I just can't see anything but the Democrats coming back. You would have to hope. But with 
all of the gerrymandering that has happened. Well, we've got more Republican seats up for for re-election in the Senate than we do Democratic seats. Um, there has to be a way to take that back. And 539.com has predicted that uh, that we won't make too much progress in, in the midterm elections next year. You sit here and you wonder how much support, and, and going back even further historically, Democrats don't turn out the vote during the midterms. They, they just don't. I don't know why it happens. I don't know why they just come out to vote during the primary election. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the midterms, they, they don't like to vote. Well, if it makes you feel better, you know, when, when people say, when I hear people say, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? The answer that I hear people say is go and vote in 2018. I've seen it online. I've seen it in person. Um, that people have really been encouraging others to go and vote in 2018 if they're upset with everything that's happening right now. And in, you know, regards of what, what was it, 538? 538.com. Yeah, yeah. In regards to that, I'm not trying to make excuses, but we watch the polls during this election and look where it got us. Exactly. I don't think that polls are an indicator of true public sentiment anymore. It's just guesswork, and we have to keep that in mind. Yeah, and, and you know, going back to last year's election 538 i can't remember how they predicted it uh it was a landslide i think for 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 hillary Hillary clinton but they had predicted it correctly for years and then this this one was just something that caught them and many pollsters obviously by surprise i saw something today also that uh many bernie sanders supporters wound up voting for trump during the previous election as well they were just so anti-hillary that that bernie was not going to be what they or excuse me hillary was not going to be who they uh, voted for and that could have played into it a little bit as well um yeah possibly i mean and i can i can see i mean i don't think it justifies it but i can see the 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 similarity between Bernie Sanders' campaign and Donald Trump's campaign, where they were both kind of drain the swamp type candidates. Yeah. I mean, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter, but I was able to, when he didn't win, I was able, even though I was not the biggest fan of Hillary Clinton at the time, I was able to understand, you know, a vote for her is a vote against Donald Trump. Exactly. And that's what it was. And, and folks, I, I think that folks who did vote for uh, Donald Trump um, that were Bernie fans really didn't think he was going to win anyway. Didn't think their vote was going to matter. And then what what happened? Their their vote wound up mattering when it came down to it. Yeah, I think that people don't realize that they need to vote strategically. Hopefully, this is just a a tiny scar on our on our republic uh, um, that we can. I mean, it's a pretty big get, scar. It is. A, it is. Know, is we can buy some scar. concealer for it and just kind of, you know, gay it up. Put some makeup on it. You know. <laughs> All right, let's move on to this next story. Yeah, sure. So this uh, story is from the Huffington Post. Donald Trump's choice for chief scientist at the United States Department of Agriculture holds a bachelor's degree in political science, a master's in business, and a Ph.D. in public administration. In other words, he has no qualifications to serve in a scientific capacity at the USDA. He also is a climate change denier, and he helped stoke the racist birther lie about President Obama. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer yesterday called on Trump to immediately withdraw the nomination, calling Clovis wildly unqualified. As reported this week by CNN's K-Files, 
Clovis peddles junk science about LGBTQ people, specifically that homosexuality is a choice and that legalizing same-sex marriage would lead to pedophilia. (laughs) As a radio host and blogger, Clovis, who was a co-chair of the Trump-Pence 2016 election campaign and is currently a temporary advisor to the USDA, has argued that LGBTQ people should not be protected under civil rights laws. Some people might believe that even though no one with such beliefs has any place in government, Clovis couldn't do much harm to LGBTQ people at the USDA, a department of the government that one doesn't associate with civil rights. But in fact, under President Obama, discrimination in all aspects of society and governmental agencies was addressed over time, including at the USDA. The USDA's non-discrimination statement includes sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. Those protections extend to some USDA-funded private programs. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack has created the LGBT Emphasis Program at the USDA to help queer farmers and others who face discrimination in the agriculture industry. Other USDA special emphasis programs focus on women, minorities, and people with disabilities, all under the umbrella of the Equal Employment Opportunity and Civil Rights Program. They help to promote equality in employment and business. Again, we're going back into talking about President Trump's nominees to key positions in his in his administration and we think about all the damage that can be done and here is one we have somebody who is um, anti-gay heading up a department that has an anti-discrimination clause in in its in its uh, non-discrimination whatever area you want to call that anyway point is what can he do he can go in there and he can reverse that yeah, that's his. You know, that if that's his prerogative, what do, what's keeping him from doing that? And that's the same with all departments throughout the U, the, uh, the United States um, federal government is that they can go in and reverse those anti discrimination um, addenda to their to their to their code of ethics or whatever sure. you want to call them. Sure. So, you know, we can't say that just one nomination is going to cause trouble because any nomination can cause trouble and reverse years, what it took years and years and years of hard-fought work in order to get those uh, written into policy for these departments. And I find that sad. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I can't say that I'm surprised. You know, like, I'm not surprised that I'm trying my hardest to not... I don't know, I feel like... I'm just so used to it, and I honestly expect it at this point. Like, when he, you know, puts somebody up for nomination or as the head of whatever, I just kind of expect them to be anti-LGBTQ, so I can't say that I'm, like, shocked. Neither can I. <laughs> that's not that's not my issue. It's just how much work, how much tedious work did individuals put into these things before this was all undone by one person? And I don't think that there has been a time in history where just all the hard work like this that, that everybody has fought for has just been undone for an instance beside the Civil War, of course. I was about to say, I was like, well, let's just remember. Yeah, you know, I mean, but there was a Civil War. You know, that, <laughs> that undid something bad. This is undoing something good. Sure. So, yeah. 
Um, it, it, it just flat out amazes me what this administration continues to do. Sure. But at the same time, we have to remember that, you know, we've put pressure on his former nominees before and he ends up, you know, taking them out. So um, we just have to remember that if we if you were able to cause a big enough ruckus that, you know, it could stop things. Like Let's that. do it in 2018, folks. And so now it's time for our first music break of the evening. Jackie Shane, an American-Canadian soul musician who is transgender, has remained largely unknown outside of Toronto, where she had a brief, successful career in the 60s. Now, the singer's music is being revived through a new artist-approved compilation of her work, called Any Other Way, due out October the 20th via Numero Group. The collection will feature all six of Shane's 45s, and every highlight from her 1967 live sessions at the Sapphire Tavern, including three previously unreleased tracks. Shane opened, uh, openly lived her life as a woman in a decade where civil rights were severely slashed for black LGBTQ Canadians. Despite the dangerously fierce social and legal ramifications, she never hid her identity or sexuality, but instead projected femininity on stage and off. Her performances weren't viewed by fans to in, uh, indulge in erotica, but rather to genuinely enjoy the music, a truth that still rings true today. While she hasn't performed since her last appearance in Toronto in 1971, Shane's Any Other Way collection arrives at a perfect time, her first communication with the public in nearly half a century. With more public transfigures than ever, and a U.S. president who's vocally attacked the LGBTQ community, her music through nostalgic will sound significantly relevant upon its reissue this fall. With any other way, here is Jackie Shane. Here you come again. You say that you're my friend But I know why you're here She wants to know how I feel Tell her that I'm happy Tell her that I'm gay Tell her I'm happy Any other But when you see my baby, 
just what you say Tell her I wouldn't have it Any other way You just listened to Jackie Shane's Any Other Way here on Blooming Out on WFHB. We're back here in the studio today discussing LGBT headlines throughout the U.S. And next on our list is from NBC, the Billion Dollar Roundtable, an organization that advocates advocates for corporate supplier diversity, is expanding its membership criteria to recognize corporations that do business with LGBTQ-owned suppliers, along with those owned by veterans and people with disabilities. The organization announced the expanded criteria last week at its annual summit. Founded in 2001, the BDR recognizes corporations that spend at least $1 billion annually with diverse suppliers. Prior to its latest announcement, the organization only considered businesses owned by women and ethnic minorities when determining whether a corporation has met this minimum annual spend. Quote, in the United States, LGBT-owned businesses are creating tens of thousands of jobs and adding over $1.7 trillion to the economy. The BDR currently has 27 members, including Apple, Walmart, and Comcast, NBC Universal, with a consolidated diversity spend of $72 billion. In order to gain membership, a company must complete BDR's application process, and if inducted, commit to participating in BDR studies and activities around corporate supplier diversity. The National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, which advocates on behalf of LGBTQ-owned businesses, applauded the BDR's decision to expand its criteria. In order to meet the BDR's new membership criteria, LGBTQ-owned businesses must be certified as LGBT business enterprises by the NGLCC. As of August 2017, the NGLCC has certified 983 businesses. Colin, why are LGBT plus owned businesses so important to our society? That's a really deep question. It is a deep question. So I want to hear your opinion on it. I mean, my own. So. I guess I've never really thought about it. It's like when the professor calls on you in class and you're like, oh, not me. Professor Shaddy. Um, yeah, yeah. When you wish. In charge um, right now. Whatever. Um, gosh. Well, I mean, I think that first of all, it means, you know, corporations and companies do have a lot of influence and control. And so, you know, a business that is LGBT friendly or just LBGT in general can really have a positive impact on everything that's going on. You look around Bloomington and you see pride flags in many individual businesses throughout throughout our community. It's great to see that support and a lot of them are LGBT owned. Uh, it's pretty impressive to, to think of all the diverse um, aspects of life that we have here in, in Bloomington. But on a national level, to get support from companies like Disney, NBC Universal, um, gosh, Apple, Microsoft, so forth, and have those even looking for suppliers that supply them their materials, that's pretty. That's a pretty good thing. And, and when when you think about how um, much money is spent by the LGBTQ community, um, that's, that's an impressive number, too. 
you, you also start to realize that these businesses who uh, have these larger businesses that have um, CEOs who are in the LGBTQ community, think uh, of, of Apple, um, for instance, and why is it important to them that they support specifically minority businesses, whether it's LGBTQ, so forth and so on? Well, again, I feel like these are really deep questions that you're asking me tonight. <laughs> that is my first comment until stumped. I come up with an answer. I'm stumped. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's to promote diversity. You sure. know, I mean, and it's like I said earlier, businesses lead by example. You lead by example for for a lot of reasons, but you get into uh, a deeper deeper aspect of this, but. You look at Facebook, for instance, and you see, like, that mommy page that was creating controversy a few months ago. Um, million, million dollar mom, not million dollar, million mom march or whatever it was. I have no clue what you're talking there, about. There are so many different mom's pages. We're not going to have our kids exposed to the LGBTQ um, media. We're not going to have our kids exposed. And media, that means preventing their kids from going to Disney World. That was, that was one of the things out there. They wanted to boycott Disney World because they had a gay character at Disney World. Um, and then you also think about uh, boycotting businesses that support LGBTQ individuals. Think of Apple. Think of Disney again and, and Microsoft. And they want to boycott them. They want to boycott Facebook. And then it kind of spirals. And then they have to boycott everything. Right. Because this is, I mean, I feel like supporting LGBTQ issues, it's becoming such a, like, mainstream and accepted, uh, like, like, view that, yeah, I mean, almost everything, I feel like, supports it. So they would have to boycott just about everything. Brawny was next on their list, as I, if I recall right. So the, they were going after paper towels. Why will this movement not work? Because everything is starting to support LGBT rights. Do you think that they have enough buying power? No. I mean, I also feel like they're a rather small group. I think they are as well. I agree. But you get into um, their dynamics, and, and they think they're a large group. They think they're in the majority. Remember that. They're the moral majority, as they as they like to say. So... Will this, will they have their voice heard in any forum? I mean... Other than Facebook. I mean, yeah, they can still post on Facebook. Other than their... I mean, I don't really feel like there are very many businesses right now that are taking their stance, you know, and who are going to be vocal like they are. And, and I think that that's... I think that businesses have learned the hard way that if you are anti-LGBT that it's gonna your business is gonna take a hit ask chick-fil-a you know like that is not a popular opinion to take right now dan kathy changed his changed his tune soon after that became a um a controversy right uh shane winmeyer who is a graduate of iu a good friend of mine um runs an organ is, is the president of campus pride um and he and dan kathy are pretty good friends actually uh and they, they 
they live, you know, in the same state. They've met plenty of times in different areas. And I think that uh, the owner of Chick-fil-A had kind of a, you know, he's still, he's still anti-gay. Don't, don't get us wrong here. He still supports anti-gay policies in a way. But he's had some of his tune changed um, just by knowing and meeting gay activists. And I think that the more that these folks get to know people who are L in, in the LGBTQ plus category, uh, the more likely they are to change their tune. And uh, quite honestly, he's done enough that I've started supporting Chick-fil-A again. I'm a sinner. Sorry. Forgive me. Yeah, I can't do that. But I can't do that. Um, it's, it's enough. He's done enough for me to go back and grab Chick-fil-A every now and then. Yeah, I mean, I think that my problem is is that you don't know when it's authentic and when it's sure. not. Sure. You like even if a group is supportive of LGBT rights, and I mm -hmm. think that we really see it around Pride. And I love that there are all of these businesses out there that do support Pride, and it does make me feel really, really good, you know. And it makes me feel supported. And it's like, oh, it's like nice to know that you know, whatever company supports LGBT rights, but at the same time, it's also a good marketing strategy. Yep. But I think the fact that it is a good marketing strategy shows that there's a large enough portion of the population that, you know, would support that business because they support LGBT rights. It's not just the right thing to do. It's also a wise business strategy for them in the long run. Wrapping up with this discussion, how important is it for LGBT owned businesses to actually stand up and say, hey, we're going to fly this pride flag and um, we are owned, our CEO, our president, whomever, uh, owns this business and they are in the LGBTQ community. I mean, obviously that's really important at a time where things have gotten really scary recently, you know, that, that people do need to know that there are businesses out there that do support them. It's pretty great that we still have plenty of businesses flying their pride flag year-round downtown. So. Um, we continue to hope and, and uh, hope that that continues, uh, not only here, but that more, more companies around the, the country start raising their pride flag over the course of this year, next year, and until acceptance has been, has been won. It is now time for the top of the hour. This is listener-supported WFHB, Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, and Nashville, Community Radio for South Central Indiana and online at wfhb.org. Now it's time for the weather. Right now, it's 80 degrees Fahrenheit in Bloomington. Tonight, the low will get to 54 degrees. Tomorrow on Friday, it'll be sunny with a high of 78 and a low of 54 tomorrow night. And highs in the 80s this weekend. Now back to Blooming Out on WFHB. It is now time for our next music break this evening. American singer and songwriter Kalela has just released a video to accompany her recent single, LMK. As the singer explained in an interview with The Fader, the song is directed at a man who's been weird instead of being honest. Does ca casual have to be careless? Is wifey the only woman who deserves your respect? And why do you think I want more when I demand it? These are my questions. The Seniors' debut album, Take Me Apart, drops on October 6th. With LMK, here's Kalela.
just heard LMK by Kalela. Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College Avenue in the alley behind Atlas Bar. More information can be found on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Blooming Out is also supported by the Coryland Men's Chorus, Bloomington's premier chorus for gay, bi, and trans men and their allies. More information about their group can be found at coryland.org. Now back to Blooming Out here on WFHB. And we're going to conclude our discussion today with this piece from NBC News. In a four-bedroom apartment found among a row of typical eastern block-style buildings in one of Kiev's sleeping districts, a group of strangers from around Ukraine is making a fresh start in a place they now consider home. They call their newly acquired residence the shelter, a safe place where they are free to be themselves, a mix of ages, backgrounds and genders congregating under one roof because their sexual orientation left them with nowhere else to go. Ukraine is still a young country when it comes to recognizing the rights of its LGBTQ citizens, a situation perhaps comparable to the fight for sexual equality in the West during the late 1960s. While it was one of the first post-Soviet countries to decriminalize sex between two men, a move taken to rid the stigma preventing those with HIV from seeking medical aid, Ukraine today lacks the legal tools and legislative reforms for the LGBTQ people to live openly in society without fear of discrimination. In 2016, there were 276 documented cases of violent and discriminatory acts of homophobia and transphobia, as stated by Nash Mir, 
one of the few organizations tracking hate crimes against the Ukrainian LGBTQ community. The shelter, which first opened its doors in June 2014, was started by a Ukrainian non-governmental organization called Insight. It is the only housing project in Ukraine offering assistance to LGBTQ individuals, the majority of them uh, young adults kicked out of their homes due to homophobia or transphobia. We try to create conditions for people who have lost everything, Olga Olshaska, the shelter's project coordinator, said, so that they can focus on socialization in a new city, find a new job, and later find find a home. Residents of the shelter, of which there can be a maximum of nine at any given time, typically stay for three months, with the possibility of an extension if needed. The apartment is stocked with food and basic household necessities, including clothing and linens donated by Insight and the organization's wider community. A one-month travel card is provided to each resident, and there is also access to a psychologist and legal aid. According to a 2016 poll by Kiev International Institute of Sociology, more than half of the Ukrainian population maintains a negative view of homosexuality, with only 33% of citizens supporting LGBTQ equality, which includes granting things like marriage, civil partnerships, adoption, and shields from prejudice. Legislation prohibiting discrimination at work based on the grounds of sexual orientation was passed by the Ukrainian government in 2015, a move required to satisfy visa-free travel within the European Union by Ukrainian citizens. Following the Ukrainian Revolution in 2014, which saw the ousting of former President Viktor Yanukovych, along with the country's break from Russia and its move towards Europe, Ukraine adopted an action plan to implement a national strategy for human rights aimed at developing policies in line with European norms by 2020. Many of these proposals bring LGBT rights to the forefront. Um, Hold on, I lost my spot. Um, uh, Many of these proposals bring LGBTQ rights to the forefront, but only a few have been implemented. The criminal code, most notably, still fails to prosecute hate crimes due to a person's sexual orientation. Absence of education aimed at raising awareness of homosexuality has stymied the expansion of LGBTQ rights in Ukraine, a country already deeply ingrained with systemic intolerance lingering from traditional Orthodox values and Soviet mentality. In April 2016, the shelter was open to LGBTQ people living throughout Ukraine, not just those from the war-torn eastern area of the country. And as Insight continues to work without government assistance to build a better Ukraine for all, those in the shelter prepare for a brighter future. You know we're only eight months into the President Trump administration, and I think of how bad we have it. It's not even comparable to people in Ukraine people in Russia, people in the Middle East, and what they have to go through. So learning from their perspectives and and listening to to what's going on uh, in Ukraine, for example, is really important when we want to think about how our struggle and our fight is. So, um, you know, we, we are one of the freest, if not the most free country in in the in the world and a lot of these people haven't had 
the ability to move around as freely as we had. Of course, we had uh, police officers who harassed us in our clubs. Of course, we had to be closeted. But, you know, that's not going on as much any, anymore. But it does happen still in this world. And that's what we have to think about uh, when thinking about our struggle and how much we have to fight for um, in the future as well. Yeah, I think that stories like these help us really put everything into perspective. Like the things that we are going through currently with our current administration are hard. Yep. You know, they're really, really hard. Um, but, you know, we also need to remember um, the LGBTQ community outside of the United States and the struggles that they might have. And we don't focus on them often enough, in my opinion, either. Uh, you know, we, we do focus on our struggles here in our own country, and we need to. We, we absolutely need to. Um, but let's not forget people uh, that are being oppressed in other countries because that does go on on a daily basis, and it, and it goes on a lot worse than what it happens here in the U.S. All right. I love doing this. I, I love introducing new people to the show, um, people who have never even heard of Blooming Out before. Uh, they find out about it by a friend. They, they find out uh, that, that a, an avenue exists that, that helps support the LGBTQ cause. And uh, we've got a new volunteer on this show, and his name is Brett Roberts. And we would like to welcome him to Blooming Out. Awesome. Thank you for having me today, and thank you for welcoming to the, uh, me to the team as much as you guys have. You are welcome. Brett, um, let's start off by finding just a little bit about you. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself, where you come from, uh, and even what your interests are. Yeah. So I'm a sophomore here at Indiana University in the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, studying law and public policy. So while you guys were talking about all that news, I was just over here biting at the, or at the, um, wanting to jump in basically, wanting to jump in on all the news. I'm also a minor in communication and public advocacy. So um, this is kind of a cool venue to kind of get some experience in that realm. Um, but yeah, I'm a sophomore in Indiana. I uh, grew up in Northern Indiana for about most of my life, 20 years. And you know, you just got me thinking with that Ukraine article, how it's been in my lifetime since Lawrence v. Texas mm -hmm. uh, was finally um, taken to the Supreme Court and the so-called sodomy laws were taken down in the United States. So we have come a long way, but the rest of the world has a long way to go as well. Exactly. And, and it, it, you know, you, you really do think about uh, how, how <laughs> we go into the micro terms and think about uh, and think about what's happening in our state. And then we don't really look at the, the larger picture, not even even sometimes not even outside of the, or not inside the United States. Uh, so but there is also a difference. I come from northern Indiana as well. Yeah. Uh, from <laughs> how this own, this community here treats its people versus uh, versus people north of of Indianapolis. Right? Oh yeah. So, um, what were some of the differences maybe in high school uh, in terms of LGBTQ awareness? Did you see at all? Well, uh, you know. Uh, where I'm from, we call Bloomington the People's Republic of Bloomington because of its uh, stigma around the, the city and the politics here and the community here, which is sad, I think. Uh, it's, it's a funny ha-ha, but uh, it's sad to think about. I, I mean, I'm from the suburbs of Fort, suburbs of Fort Wayne, mm -hmm. so relatively, uh, you know, urban area. We have a, more, a little bit more progressive mind um, in that realm, but also northeastern Indiana has been consistently ranked the most conservative place um, congressionally in the United States, consistently elect um, pretty conservative people to 
um, Congress to the state house. So there was definitely a, a pressure around high school and um, trying to accept people for who they are. Um, but also, I think I grew up in a generation where not a lot of people cared. Um, th there is a divide where the bullying necessarily didn't happen as much. Um, it was very much a, when it happened, when you saw it, it was just kind of, it was there. You didn't really recognize it, but you also didn't go out of your way to uh, bully someone or uh, degrade who they are as a person. So I think there is that, there's a generational disconnect in that and the fact that it's looking hopeful in the future, uh, but definitely still has some challenges in different areas of the world. It's so funny. I sit here with people, both of you, who are 10, ten years younger than me yeah. <laughs> and a little more than 10 years, but only by a year or two. No big deal. <laughs> um, but anyway, way, there's uh, there's that disconnect where, yeah, I, I do see the progress. and Even in my, my home community, um, people were like, the people that went here uh, went to IU mm -hmm. uh, when they found out that I was getting, why didn't you tell us in high school? You would have been perfectly fine. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they were the jocks. They were the, the popular kids. Um, and I was a popular person too. That's why I didn't come out. <laughs> and, Very modest of you. Yeah. <laughs> just admit that just, right now. I was <laughs> the popular one in the high school. Not, no, I was not the most popular one in the high school. But, but you know, it, it, I was. I, I was pretty popular and and that wasn't an issue um but they were like we would you would have been fine and mm -hmm. um but i didn't see it that exactly way, you know yeah i didn't see it and perception uh, is reality especially yeah. in our in our situations exactly so uh you know it, it is different or it, it's weird to for me to see how different you all mm -hmm. perceive exactly. your experience. Well, and I feel like, you know, and, and we said this earlier over dinner one time, but I feel like it's changed so much even in four years. Mm -hmm. I feel like the, the, the way, the, the speed that it's progressing is so fast. Yeah, and, and it will only continue to get better if, if things go right. Yeah. So uh, let's hope that, that too many things don't get set back here, but... Um, you know, we, we will put up a fight if, if they do. Uh, Allen County, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, the last presidential election voted uh, Republican. And mm -hmm. as you were saying, does do that up there. I, I have it, never figured out Fort Wayne. It's a, uh, you know, Indiana is made up of a lot of different uh, demographic groups within the state itself. You have a lot of German, a lot of religious German, a lot of social conservatives, especially in the corners. I found the corners of the state are very... Um, I'm, I'm a history nerd. I'll admit that now. So I have some experience with this. But the corners of our state are very uh, diverse in how they've held on to their roots of their ancestors. And we have a very strong German community up in northeast Indiana that tends to be the Lutheran, the Catholic, um, the very uh, streamlined Christianity, mm -hmm. um, which is great and wonderful. And it's a really vibrant part of our community up there. But it definitely has some pressure. So I think that's kind of where that political tie, um, that role comes in. And you see how their European counterparts are, and it's completely different. Exactly, which is never, I've never understood that. No, not at all. Brett, what are you, what will you be doing on our show? Well, hopefully I will um, be assisting Josephine Douglas with um, her work on social media. I have some experience um, managing some different social media pages, having some good reach um, with those pages, which is really exciting to be back on that realm. But also I'm looking into some segments that I'll discuss with you after the show here, sure. um, seeing what kind of segment, segments I can do. Um, so yeah, just kind of seeing where I fit in the show, uh, seeing where I can help out. This is definitely a unique opportunity I never thought I would have. 
uh, coming to college. So looking forward to all the options. Yeah, there are there are a lot of those around <laughs> here. Um, what's something that you hope to accomplish as being a part of our Blooming Out team? This is a hard question I ask. it. It's the one question I ask to everybody because it is a challenge to oh, you. Yeah. I want you to come up with a way to make this program b- better. Um, for me, I think coming into it, uh, one of my personality types is achiever and maximizer. And I think, you know, coming to Bloomington, um, I, I didn't know about the show, to be quite honest. I didn't know about the show. I didn't know how I knew the community was very involved. It was big. It was here. I didn't know about the show, though. And I think for me, knowing how I came in as a freshman, um, finding or getting that the word out about the show to the freshmen um, as they come into school and even the upperclassmen is such a, it's kind of like a beacon of light, I think, because wow, what a cool place that they have a radio show that's um, devoted to my community and my people. And um, I think getting the word out about that would be my main accomplishment, um, especially to the university students. I think it's really well known in the community of Bloomington, but really reaching that university crowd would be one of my accomplishments I hope to achieve. I certainly hope we do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody comes on here with a little bit of a purpose, uh, whether it's, you know, for their own personal good, if it's for... uh, it's because they they think they're they're doing great in the community i always know that in the back of everybody's mind it's because they want to be an agent of change Mm -hmm. somehow so why do you believe you have an opportunity to be an agent of change not only for the show but for the community as a whole first of all i love the the phrase agent of change i want that on my business card someday um but agent of change i think you know it's a small group here that does the show that's dedicated to putting this show on each week. And the more manpower you have behind it, the more organized manpower you have behind it can just continue to ramp it up and make it even better than it already is. So I think really the opportunity um, to be an agent of change on the show is exciting. Um, but really bringing my expertise in from the law and public policy side for these news stories, from the social media side, um, bringing what I have to offer to this part of um, Bloomington is really an exciting uh, feature for me. We're excited to have you. I want you to go ahead and do your first official duty on this show and take us into our next music, our next and final music break. Oh, wow, this is a lot of pressure. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Donnie Moore describes the overtly queer and political themes of of his band Absolutely Not's new album, Errors, as a middle finger to ignorance and intolerance. People being disturbed by someone's sexual preference shouldn't be a thing, he says. This music has a deeper meaning to me, where I'm actually angry, but I'm saying it in a comical, flippant way. That's a very me thing to do. Delivering that message through anthemic uh, thrashers, sorry about that, has made the Chicago-based trio a fixture on the local punk circuit. But when Moore arrived from his Florida hometown five years ago, fitting into the scene proved difficult. It was kind of odd not to be able to bro out with the guys, he recalls. I was an obnoxious punk band, but I wasn't one to be trolling for women in bars at 4 a.m. Now, Absolutely Not has settled into its niche, hosting its monthly LGBTQ event Glitter Creeps and releasing their latest and most unapologetic album ever, says Moore. It's 2017, and I'm able to have this record where I can sing about my preference in the bedroom and about paranoid thoughts about the government turning things into cyborgs. It's very freeing to know you can put whatever you want out there. Off Absolutely Not's new album errors, here's Blood Money.
To finish out tonight's show, it's time for your weekly LGBTQ plus area event calendar. JJ Gufrida debuted her show, Left Hander in London, The Earthquake, during the Indie Fringe Festival on Saturday, August 19th. The show is running until August 27th. More information can be found on Facebook and tickets can be purchased at www.indiefringe.org. Tomorrow, August of 25th at 7 p.m., we're kicking off Bloomington's annual celebration of LGBTQ plus community and culture with the inaugural Pride Slam competition at Rhino's Youth Club. Pride Slam is free and open to the public. If possible, attendees are encouraged to donate $5 to benefit Rhino's Youth Center. These funds support their free, after-school arts programming for teenagers, many of whom identify as members of the LGBTQIA communities and are allies in downtown Bloomington Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. year-round. Have questions? Email alex at alex at bloomingtonpride.org. Want to compete? Apply at www.bloomingtonpride.org slash prideslam. Bloomington Pride Fest will be a day-long celebration on Kirkwood Avenue on Saturday, August 26th. Note the new name as this was the previous Bloomington Pride Summerfest. More information about Pride Fest can be found on Facebook, and that will be occurring starting at 3 p.m. this coming Saturday on Kirkwood. Want to take action and join the fight to protect transgender Hoosiers? Interested in advocating for them in your workplace, family, or neighborhood? Interested in learning more about their experiences of the transgender people in your community? Then join a panel of representatives from Bloomington's Trans Community and the ACLU of Indiana for Trans in Indiana, a Community Conversation on Saturday, August 26th from 1 to 2 p.m. at the Monroe County Library. Admission is free and more information can be found on Facebook. Dr. Brian Dodge from the IU School of Public Health Bloomington will be presenting Stigma and Sexual Health Among Diverse LGBTQ Plus Americans, Lessons Learned, and Next Steps. This event will also occur at the MCPL on Saturday, August 26th from 12 to 12.50 p.m. The Quarry Lens Men's Chorus is seeking performers for an exciting 16th season titled Changing Hearts. Their performances this year raise awareness of teen suicide and bullying. Auditions are informal and will be held on Monday, August the 28th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. and 9.30 to 10 p.m. at the First United Church. More information can be found on Facebook. RuPaul Drag Race's Sasha is coming for you, Bloomington. On Friday, September 1st from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., Sasha will be at the back door. More information can be found on Facebook. The Indiana Stonewall Democrats work daily with politicians in the Indiana Democratic Party, making certain the needs of the LGBTQ plus community and our allies are heard. Network with the ISD board and other members and consider becoming a member. Their next meet and greet will be on Tuesday, September the 26th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Rebar Indy, 20 North Delaware in Indianapolis. More information can be found on Facebook. The Interpride World Conference is coming to Indianapolis this October. The annual general meeting and world conference acts as a source of education and a stepping stone to elevating community, community interaction for Pride events worldwide, as well as a great networking opportunity and platform for communication among Pride organizations. Indianapolis will welcome a diverse audience from all over the world October 5th through the 8th, 2017. 
To learn more about the event or to purchase tickets, visit www.indypride.org enterpride. For more information about Interpride, visit www.interpride.org. Join the Damien Center on Saturday, November the 4th from 5 p.m. to 12 a.m. for their annual Grand Masquerade, Venetian Ball. Celebrate the Damien Center's 30th anniversary and push extravagance to the limit. The ball will be at the Indianapolis Marriott downtown. More information can be found on Facebook and tickets can be purchased at damien.thankyou4caring.org. An IU staff member has formed a meetup group open to Bloomington area LGBTQ plus adults of all ages. If you're in town and would like to join like-minded folks for fun social activities, learn more by visiting www.meetup.com slash Bloomington LGBTQ social meetup. And finally, HIV testing will be provided by Positive Link on the first and third Thursday of each month at the LGBTQ plus Culture Center. This free confidential 20-minute testing can be scheduled by contacting the LGBTQ Plus Culture Center. That is all the time we have for tonight. If you would like to add your event to our event calendar, email us at bloomingout at wfhb.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at BloomingOutWFHB, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Wes Martin. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and music director is Grace Thumser. The news director is Olivia Davidson. And our board engineer is Jesse Grubb. Our social media coordinators are Josephine Douglas and Brett Roberts. Finally, our theme music is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out and Colin Schasberger, I'm Ryan Shaddy. Please tune in again next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and visit us online at bloomingout.com. Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program, airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out. Blooming Out.